Hey, welcome to the first episode of the Bridge Podcast TX. I'm John Shibley, your host, and excited to be here because this is something unique that I think is going to uh, really appeal to a lot of folks here in the community. And I wanted to let folks peek behind the curtain a little bit um, and get to know some of our business owners, get to know some of our leaders, people who are making a splash in the community, a positive impact, influencing in a good way. And we've got uh, great guests lined up. We've got um, just a great vision for this project. And I'm glad you're in on the ground floor of it because uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. It's going to be encouraging. And, and you're going to get to learn a little bit about Conroe and this community that maybe you didn't already know. So uh, I've got my first two guests are dynamite. Uh, a lot of you probably know them. Uh, the first one that we're going to have is Jody Chikoski, and you know him as the mayor of Conroe. He, uh, he's got a, an illustrious background in business and real estate, owning owning commercial real estate company, and uh, got into the political arena uh, last year, just doing an amazing job. You guys know he's doing great things here. He's got a vision for where we're going. He's He's got just a knack for uh, casting that vision and, and really networking throughout the community and building those relationships and building that unity that, that we, uh, we love to have here in Conroe. And so we're excited to have him on uh, today as, as kind of the first uh, real guest here uh, on the Bridge Podcast. And, and so it, it's an honor to get to, to get to know him and get to meet him. So I can't wait for you to hear his story. And we've also got Frank Jackson, who is most recently the owner of uh, the table at Maidley, which is going to be new to Conroe. And actually, I think the ribbon cutting, he'll talk more about it in the episode, but it's going to be here in a month or two. And uh, we're excited about that. Can always use good businesses in the community. Frank's got a, a real long history in the music business, you know, music production. He's been involved in and in, with some major recording artists, just really getting uh, for over 20 years been in that space, really producing and creating content uh, and, and just a great avenue and platform for people to get good music here in this area. So I'm excited about what he's doing at the table at Maidley. I'm excited about what uh, his heart is for this community. He's been here a long time and he is uh, really passionate about what he can bring uh, to the table no pun intended, and uh, really what he can offer the community, and, and he's, he's very excited about it. And we're excited to have him, so uh, tune in to this episode, and I, I can't wait to get your feedback on it. Welcome to another episode of The Bridge Podcast, and we are here with a distinguished guest, I'll call him, uh, Mr. Frank Jackson, the owner of The Table at Maidley, uh, that is coming soon to a Conroe downtown near you, and uh, man, welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you, John. Thank Happy to be here. It's good to meet you, man. Uh, I love doing this because I get to meet so many good people, entrepreneurs, people that are leading and really investing in the community, so... Uh, man, I just kind of like to know on behalf of the audience and myself, can it, take us through a little bit of your journey because you, a lot of your history is, a lot of your experience is through the music industry mm-hmm. and uh, Texas probably primarily. Yes. So take us through some of that and just some of 
just the aha moments you had along the way, maybe most re- rewarding type uh, uh-huh. things that come out of that. The ones I can actually remember. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's go for those first so we can embellish a little. Well, I've been uh, here in the Conroe area my entire life, uh, just south of Conroe, uh, behind Tamina. Uh, it's out. Uh, it's in the ETJ. It's not in the city limits, mm-hmm. uh, but it's down south there. And I went to Oak Ridge High School. And uh, from there, I just wanted to be a rock star. So my failed rock stardom uh, led me in, on another path that uh, God opened the door for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had an opportunity to raise my girls that uh, were coming up and, and learn about music. And so I came home from Los Angeles in 1995 and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I previously, I kind of worked... Uh, to be a musician, all mm-hmm. kinds of odd jobs. I sanded cars down at DeMontron yeah. <laughs> on Fraser and do, working in the body shops and stuff like that. And I, I didn't, I didn't like that kind of work because it hurt my hands and my fingers when I was trying to play. I didn't mm-hmm. like that, you know. Yeah. And so I knew one thing when I came home uh, from being in Los Angeles a couple years. Um, I, I knew I wasn't going to sand cars anymore. <laughs> I didn't know what else I was going to do, mm-hmm. but basically. Uh, I had a dream one night that I, I could always uh, play music, but I only had one opportunity to be a father, and that's, mm. uh, I remember the day, because it happened to be my oldest daughter's birthday, she was like five at the time, uh, August 5th, 1994, uh, uh, mm. and I had just played that night at the Troubadour, the famous wow. place in uh, Hollywood, West oh, yeah. Hollywood, and then I came home a rejected, you know, hurt, lost father, and uh, didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, tried to work at Continental Airlines. I didn't work out, and so I went to uh, Guitar Center on 1960 because mm-hmm. uh, I like music and instruments, and I started uh, learning how to sell stuff. Mm. And so I started in September there, and in December I broke the record for the store sales. No one ever sold as much as I did in that month. And, uh, of course, the next month in January had keys to the store as assistant manager. Congratulations. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, yeah. You're great at selling. Victim what, of your own success yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for a while, but I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy working retail because you have to be out and gone when everybody else is off and having fun. Yeah. And my daughters were really young at the time. And one of them, I would, you know, when I closed the store, I'd have to be home at nine, you know, 10 o'clock or so. And they'd be in bed already. And so she said, you got to work tonight, Dad? I said, yeah. She goes, I'll see you tomorrow. And so at the same time, one of my friends that I played music with in high school, uh, Mitch Whitner, he worked at Southwest Wholesale in Houston, and they were a music distributor. And he said, hey, why don't you come, you know, work here? You can work Monday through Friday, and you don't have to work in the weekends and holidays. Mm-hmm. And uh, you work in the marketing department and sell, basically get people to buy music from a one-stop and a one-stop if you're not familiar with what a one-stop is uh, one-stop really originated from the old jukebox operators needing product for the jukeboxes mm-hmm. so one-stop is if you had an independent mom-and-pop record store you could call it the one-stop and order major label product independent product anything you would need for your store mm-hmm. you could order it so i started working there got to see your family a lot more uh-huh, a yeah, lot more absolutely uh so that was the best thing i ever did it was great i learned the skills I learned at Guitar Center and how to deal with people and how to operate uh, retail, how much things cost, how to buy used things, how things were made, guitars and going to all that, really kind of led me into the wholesale music distribution where I learned how to deal with buyers and I learned how to solicit uh, new records because back then there was no digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
cassettes were on life support. Yeah. Vinyl was pretty much dead in the end of the 90s. CDs were retailing at like 18, 19 bucks and everybody was getting mad mm-hmm. and all the Napster guys were doing their thing. Yeah. And that, you know, that all came to a head, you know, yeah. in the early 2000s. And it was all around that time. And so, but CDs were still king. You could go solicit to Walmart and get you, you know, a good size order uh, for Texas and stuff. And so yeah. I worked, uh, I worked there for a while in the marketing department. And then I saw that every time I sold something that Southwest Wholesale distributed in rap, they were really big in the, uh, what, the Third Coast rap, all okay. the uh, DJ DMD, South Park Mexican, Little Troy, Fat okay. Pat, uh, DJ Screw. They, they were the distributor of that content. And I noticed every time I sold something on distribution, the margin was, you know, 30, 40%. Mm-hmm. And you sell something from Warner Brothers or Universal, and it was like 5 or 6%. Yeah. I was like, whoa. So I was paying attention to that. And then one night I had a dream that I could um, uh, do the same thing for country music. And so I had a dream about uh, Pat Green, Corey Morrow, and Billy Joe Shaver, and I didn't even know who they were. Really? Yeah. And so, I, you know, not long after that, I just started uh, pursuing all that and learning about the, the underground scene that was kind of going on at the time. Yeah. Did you? So With, let me stop you for a sec. Did you always have the vision for it being in this area, or like? Well, I just always. Just I'm a Texan general? by yeah. nature, man. So I want to build yeah. up things around me, so I don't have to go anywhere. There you, you go. Know? That's a great. That's and, a and, and there was a lot of great, uh, authentic. You know, uh, really, what I what I what I was getting into, and, and no one really knew it at the time, was the second generation of Texas music yeah. after Willie and Waylon and that kind of outlaw movement. Yeah. In 95, I would say, it's almost like Robert Keane and Randy Jack Ingers before Randy, oh, before. Pat, Corey, all those guys were in the late 90s. Uh, and, and I just capitalized on that. I went and, and I was the first one to be able to sell them at retail in an organized way. Some of them had a distributor in Dallas that was doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just really focused on the retailer and tried to get the product in the stores. And it was it was hard to get product in the stores because you were fighting for shelf space. Yeah, of course. And end caps. I mean, you couldn't afford an end cap because it would be like yeah. sixty thousand dollars if you wanted an end cap in Walmart stores. Right. You yeah. know, and then you could you know the the axe couldn't really sell enough to sell through it anyway, and it would yeah. kill you getting returns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just organized all that. I went to Shane Media in Houston. And said, hey, I got all these records. They're selling pretty good. They're playing around. They're getting play. Uh, and he goes, oh, we'll start a Ed Shane, God rest his soul. He said, we'll start a Texas music chart. And, and that, perfect. That'll give us focus. And then so we did that and went out and interviewed a bunch of stations and got their playlist every week and compiled and made a chart. And that's how the Texas music chart started. Well, so, okay. And, and Keith, I don't want to cut your stories because I love stories and I love where you're going with this, but I do want to interject a couple questions because sure. I'm just curious for my own benefit. Yeah. So this, you know, as you're kind of starting, it's starting to be like an aha moment for you. You're starting to kind of get it, get how this is supposed to go, and yeah. you're starting to connect dots. Financially, you're connecting people, and you're starting to come up as this, really this prominent figure in the space that's kind of an untapped market. So anybody stand out to you or, or, or any type of mentor, leader, that kind of thing? Because I'm into how do we lead folks? How do we mentor people? But do we have those people in our lives that made you successful? Did you have, or did, were you just kind of on your own, flying by the seat of your pants? Did you have uh, anybody that stands out? It was a little bit of both, really. You know, I had certain people that kind of uh, embraced me that I finally got to meet. 
Uh, well, one of them was my boss at Southwest Wholesale, Robert uh, Gillerman. Robert's a great man. He, he's helped so many people, you know, and he's gotten ripped off so many times of being just being nice and paying people yeah. too soon or and getting hosed, you know. Mm, yeah. But he was always encouraged me. He always said, um, Frank, you can do, you know, whatever you want. You, you got my blessing. Just go make this happen, mm-hmm. you know, because I guess he saw it and something in me. So as a leader, ever. you would say his best quality was just kind of trusting you, empowering you? Yeah, kinda... because I've always been independent. I've been a fatherless since I was 11, and I kind of had to be the man of the house at, okay. a, at an early age. Okay. And, and it taught me, you know, that if you don't get up and go get it, and, and nobody's bringing it to Not you. Not handing it to you, yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to please my mom and make her happy happy and try to fill that you know gap that we had yeah uh, and so that's really what drove me I think probably still today right there's probably something in there that just yeah. you know want to you know yeah get well, that affirmation or you know just say you know yeah you're I mean you're I definitely can't, uh, stop you, know? you definitely you would consider yourself uh, entrepreneurial minded I would think I always wanted to do that at a young age I failed so many times even when I was at Demontron, my boss let me Right when they started doing rock chip repair. Okay. Oh, I started Rocky's Rock Chip Repair, okay. you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You've always got an idea. I went out of business after the first couple of windshields because I cracked them. Yeah. You know, put too much pressure on it. Yeah. Oh. So, okay, so let's stay on the music thing then. And what's made this work? Like, what's made your this quest during this bringing kind of Texas country underground that scene what what kind of made that work because i would say it's been real successful what whatever you've kind of touched around that well uh if it's all ended today i would definitely had a great journey for sure i got to raise my kids i've worked from home since 2003 Uh, i've got to spend time with some great people i've been in rooms and situations that people you know i get paid to do what people would do for free yeah have a fun and to me it's always been a passion uh, it's not a job. Yeah. It's it, it's just what I do, and and I've, I've always honored God, and He's always opened the door for me and given me opportunities uh, that I I took, and, and, and it just happened. I, I mean, I don't really know yeah. what to tell you. It's like you know, if it was a formula, if I could bottle and sell it, I mean, I, I don't know. It well, just kind of. Uh, so what stands out to me is is almost a common theme amongst success, successful business owners is. There's a lot of failure in the early stages. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of just kind of pushing through fear because when you fail, you're less likely to step out again in this next venture. But it sounds like to me you kind of pressed through that and kept doing it. So Failure never defeated Not you. quitting the process. Like, you know, you had an idea. You didn't base your decision to go forward on the failure yesterday. You kind of stepped forward. And I think that is for somebody listening. Like, I think hearing that is what separates those business owners that actually are successful long-term is this courage to press through and and despite what's happened in the past. And it sounds like to me that's that's kind of what you did. Yeah, pretty much. I just saw recently I read a quote, I think it was uh, from Einstein, that was like, I didn't uh, fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 things to improve uh, what to do next. That's right. You know, something in that context, not verbatim. But uh, that's kind of been my mentality all along. I never let it... Uh, I was disappointed and crushed many times. You know, sure, what sure. am I going to do? You know, how well, am I yeah. going to do this? And then I just shake it off like a dog getting out of the pool and yep. start What's my next? day. Forget about that. My owner threw me in there. You What's know, next? Whatever, you yeah. know. So uh, I don't know. Do you? Uh, so you've built, obviously built teams, and you've always obviously kind of had to identify talent. Like, what are you looking for in 
sort of what what makes a company culture not only healthy but like stand stand apart. Like if you were to think, well, if I'm putting a, together a yeah, team, uh, music is a dog eat dog world. You always hear the horrible stories of you know, and then I've seen it my whole career with people uh, that make money up front on things. Yeah, promotion people, things like that. They make a lot of money, and there's these kids that get jacked all the time because they they're sold false hope, and they take the money, and a lot of them have the mentality of. Well, if I don't take their money, someone else will. Mm. Yeah, right or wrong. Yeah, Yeah. and it it, it turns into this bad thing with the music. So for us, we've just always been authentic and upfront with people. We've lost some business over the years because we won't tell people what they want to hear. We tell them, you know, kind of the facts because we've been doing this so long. We have an incredible uh, roster and a history of, uh, of how performance and how, like, the artists do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them don't make money, you know, and some of them make a lot of money, you mm-hmm. know, and it's all in between and different things. So there's no real one method that makes it all work. And for us, our saving grace was when Apple started in 2003, Smith Music, we produce and own live at Billy Bob's, Texas. Okay. We had all the master recordings from Billy Bob's, mm-hmm. which at the time included Pat Green, Merle Haggard, you know, Gary Stewart, all these great artists, John Conley. And so uh, Apple, when uh, digital started, there was nothing in our distribution agreements uh, that said anything about digital. So we told iTunes, yeah, we'll take a vendor number. And and then that's really how our distribution uh, came about, was by uh, just saying yes and getting the vendor number, because we always wanted vendor, because we always wanted to sell. We always had an independent spirit. Yeah. We wanted to sell direct. That's why we did so much business at Bucky's years ago for selling CDs before CDs die. Uh, it's just trying to go do direct business so you don't have too many middlemen in the way to take the money yeah. or hold your money. Yeah. And so for us at the time, distribution, they could hold your money because returns on CDs are 100% all mm-hmm. the time. It could always happen. Mm-hmm. And so there was always some funny math and just kind of reserves held where you right. really needed money to get it. Opening the iTunes, you got money every month digitally, and auto, and at that point, it basically gave us a, a level playing field that we didn't really have before, mm-hmm. in the sense of placement and mm-hmm. finding. You know, because before, yeah. Frank, you know, I can't find my CD in Hastings. I can't find it in Best Buy. I can't find it. You know. And, yeah, yeah. And I well, would say that's that great. You sold out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent job. <laughs> uh, all right. So that yeah, no, I love what you're saying about some of that because when you kind of you kind of glossed over. Uh, a word which I know in your mind you don't think lightly of it but some people take it for granted but authentic was the word you used yeah that's and important you sort of to me. take that for granted about yourself but it's not on every street corner right now everywhere you look so I think authenticity is something that does to answer the question from earlier that we were both kind of walking around that there may not be a secret sauce but authentic I believe for a company culture for a business owner for anybody really mm-hmm. as a person is a foundational component that can last. Like it's got staying power. And so I think authenticity is huge. And yeah. I, I would I would hate for the audience to gloss over that because it's a big thing. Um, well, that's important to me. You know, when I was yeah. a kid, I, I learned early and quick that uh, if you told the truth, you didn't have to remember anything. That's and, it. And it was so much easier that's to it. deal that's with perfect. life. You know? I hope somebody got that. Write yeah, that down. There you go. Um, all right. Well, hey, I got a couple more for you and yeah. then we'll kind of land the plane. Sure. But it's been a great, I, I love hearing those stories, man. I could listen for hours, but... So let's fast forward to now. Uh-huh. We got a big project 
project you're working on. Sure. You, uh, you're bringing something pretty unique to the Conroe area. Um, something authentic. Authentic. I mean, it's, I can't wait. And, and uh, April is going to be a good month because of its ribbon cutting that you're going to have. Uh, tell us about the table at Maidley. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your passion for this community and why, why here? Why are you so drawn to, to right here and just the future that you're going to have here? Uh, well, this is my home. Yeah. Uh, my grandkids live here. My, you know, Two-thirds of my kids live here. Uh, so this area is really important to me. Uh, growing up here, uh, I thought it was a Hickville or, you know, it was something kind of, uh, you know, way out there. But now as I'm older and realizing, uh, you know, Conroe is the crossroads between Beaumont and Austin and Houston and Dallas. And the amenities around here are amazing. Wow. Uh, the, you know, the culture and the, the government, at least in Montgomery County. Yeah are pretty good uh, yeah. uh, uh, and ran well, and we're really blessed to be in such a great place. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife and I, we met here at the Vineyard Church of Conroe mm-hmm. uh, and got married about 12 years ago. And so we just, uh, to, it was like whenever we got together, it just both of our lives exploded. God mm-hmm. just used us for so much. Mm-hmm. Um we're always entertained. We got people, you know, our parents' age that come to us for mm-hmm. wisdom and, you know, yeah. just thing. And it feels weird, you know, to be in that position because you yeah. don't really see yourself that way. Yeah. Uh, but that seems to be what's happened naturally. And so uh, in 2018, I got um, this property at the table at Madeley. We were able to uh, get some property, which we were amazed, and, mm-hmm. you know, that it was even available and we could get it, but we did. We didn't know what we wanted to do with it. But we knew we wanted to invest in the community. We wanted to put something to provide jobs for people. We wanted a, a, a space that was clean and nice and people wanted to come to, yeah. regardless of who or what was going on there. Uh, and then it just kind of evolved into the table at Madeley. Now, yeah. you know, it's been That's a heck cool. of a journey. I've learned a lot as a music guy in the background. I have zero building experience, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. staff so that comes behind. But all that factored in, the headaches, the, the up, you know, late nights and the scratch-your-head moments, like – you're right there coming down the stretch, yeah, right? Man, so yeah, that's you can beautiful. see you can see the end. You can get to it, yeah. Yeah. So so you're you're tell us about the so you got a ribbon cutting coming up mm-hmm. in April, yes. right? And then uh, and then we're then on. We're going to be open uh, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Okay. We're going to have four permanent food trucks. When I mean permanent, I'm doing year leases with them. Gotcha. I'm providing them water, electricity, and dumping facilities to okay. basically operate as our kitchens. Okay. They're going to operate independently on their own. They're going to take their own orders. Uh, I'm going to sell all the beverage, yep. and I'm going to provide the entertainment. Perfect. And give them a space to do it in. So they pay me rent. They keep all their revenue. I am doing something a little different than most food parks okay. aren't. Number one, I'm saying that I'm going to be the buckies of all food parks, okay. and meaning clean and friendly okay. and nice. Uh, uh, but also, we're going to take online orders for all four trucks on our website, Table. Dot com. Oh, wow. That's, that's and cool. And so for being downtown, there's a lot of uh, government workers, uh, you know, city people, county, state, uh, lawyers, yeah. people that come to the courts uh, all cool. week long. Yeah. And so we're hoping that'll be a benefit to them to Huge. be able to order. I'm going to sell Great. frozen margaritas by the half gallon and the gallon to go. Okay. Uh, to go with some of the tacos and well, nacho stuff that we got going on. Yeah, man. Well, we won't give them the whole uh, cow right now. We'll make them come down and check it yeah, out. It's going to be a great place. People are going to want to yeah. be there. And uh, I'm just hoping we can get people have patience as we get going because yeah, it's a learning are. curve. It's basically five businesses coming together as one sure. and trying to operate smoothly. 
and not to count on all the entertainment and different extra stuff you're doing. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a learning curve, but we're excited. Cool. And we're asking, we're not really going to put on socials when we're going to open. Okay. Uh, we're asking people to go to ConroeTable.com, sign up for our okay. newsletter. So that's the way people are going to be notified. Okay. And when we do, we're probably going to sell tickets for our grand opening because awesome. uh, we're going to have to. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Or we're not going to be able to control what we need, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Just I give everybody a great experience with not having too many people there, yeah. you know, yeah. and stuff like Perfect. that. And, I, you know, since I am a music guy, you yeah. know I'm going to have of something course. up my sleeve of entertainment-wise that uh, uh, people won't expect so will be at my we need We need, definitely need to go get the newsletter and go sign up for the newsletter. ConroeTable.com, okay. that's right. And that's cool. the same as our socials at ConroeTable. We kind of made it okay. ConroeTable a little simple. Some people struggle with the word maidly. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it was our uh, desire to honor the historic nature of, of Conroe and, and on Maidley Street. The okay. maid, when you learn about the Maidley family, okay. they've been around for quite a while and they've been a great foundation awesome. for this area for many, many, you know, since the 1800s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so that's really kind of why man, we wanted to honor Maidley and uh, do all that. So I'm excited. Here we are. Man. Can't well, wait to have you over there. Yeah, I can't wait to be there. And thank you for coming and doing this. I know it's a busy Friday, a busy weekend for you. Uh, I appreciate it. Audience, he's been Frank Jackson. We've been The Bridge Podcast. Yeah, right. Stay connected. Welcome to another episode of the Bridge Podcast, where we are connecting commerce with community. And I've got a special guest today. I've got uh, the mayor of Conroe, Jody Chikoski, who is also the president of MHW Real Estate and Investments. Jody, man, good to have you. Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. Yeah, John. Thank, thank you for having me. It's a exciting weekend here in Conroe. It's, it's good, man. It is. It's I'm fired up. We got a big visitor come to town and. Uh, man, I wanted to get you in here and just kind of pick your brain and get to know your journey a little bit and let the audience get to know, kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit, uh, what the mayor, you know, how he came up through the ranks and kind of what your passion has been and teams you've built and just kind of get to know you a little different than what we see kind of out on the streets, right? Let's hear, let's hear from you uh, from a personal level. Uh, so when you were coming up in business, like... Um, you know, you started a company, obviously, but what uh, what got you into real estate? I mean, I uh, graduated from college in Sam Houston in, in 2000, and I was a um, oil and gas major, and that market crashed in 99, so I decided to switch my major, get my real estate license, and as soon as I graduated, I went to work for Caldwell Banker United in, in the Woodlands, and mm -hmm. uh I uh, actually got to this area. Uh, I grew up in Marlin, Texas, originally around Waco, mm -hmm. Central Texas, and uh, had a lot of friends and fraternity brothers from at Sam Houston that were from Willis and Conroe. So I'd follow them down here and hang out with their families and fell in love with that, the lake and the forest and uh, decided to call Conroe home. And it uh, been a, a, a great area and just, uh, you know, God got me here as soon as possible. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And, and we're glad you're here, of course. Uh, but you, uh, you know, you started this business with MHW Real Estate and commercial real estate. And uh, what have you liked most, kind of, about that whole dynamic? Because I mean, you're you're involved in some pretty big projects around the city, around Montgomery County, and 
you know, it hadn't always started there, but what have you seen and that has evolved most in the growth? And then what have you liked about the journey so much so far? I mean, man, I'm, I'm a deal junkie at the end of the day. I, I like the adventure and, and um, I, you know, I used to rodeo professionally. I was a professional bull rider for, for two years of my life. And, and I always tell people that de- the development business is, is very similar to the bull riding. You know, you, you get prepared, you get in shape, you get your equipment right. Uh, you know, I used to sit down behind the chute and get on my knee and, and get right with the Lord before I, I got on that animal. And I would say, hey, you know, if, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But when they open that gate, I'm going to give it all I got. And in and, and that industry, if you don't have that attitude, you'll, you'll get killed real quick. Mm. Development's the same way. I mean, you can be prepared. You can have the best equipment, uh, best timing, best market. And all of a sudden, you sign off on a multi-million dollar loan, and then all of a sudden, 9-11, 9/11 happens or 08, or you have a stock market crash or... You know, Russia invades uh, uh, their neighbor over there, so you, you never know. So you have to uh, – I've got a good team right now. I mean, that's that's what we, we built a good company. I've got uh, good partners, and, and these are seasoned veterans. So, mm-hmm. you know, when the uh, – uh, you know, it hits the wall, these guys are, are going to come to work. And what I've learned, we can work out any problem as long as we address it and we know what the problems are and we've got uh, good communication. We, we get solved – we get paid to, to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, and expansion. I mean, I would assume there's a there's an addiction to seeing something and you create something and then you watch it grow and then you you know you're grabbing deals here, you're grabbing developments here, you're creating just a growth in the community and then that evolves into politics, local politics. Have you always had that sort of on your radar coming up through business that you wanted to be involved that in that way, or did you always have mayor on the bill, the bulletin board in your house saying this is my this is my target here? And what, no, how'd that happen? No, not not at all. That's that a, that's a that's a that's a God thing. Yeah, I I, um, I had a lot of success in my twenties building multiple companies and and uh, learn, uh, you know, if it's whether it's city hall or. or uh, selling radio ads or, or Ozarka water or, or you know mm-hmm. a nice uh, Rolex watch, sales, marketing, customer service. You got to have good management that is honest and sincere, so they tell you what the problems are, and then you have to have good accounting system so you know where your money's at. So I learned uh, manufacturing, investments, home building, real estate, and my wife was the uh, chief fraud prosecutor for the DA's office, uh, DA's office under the uh, uh, Ligon. And before that, the uh, McDougal administration, mm-hmm. and then she was over major crimes. So, so in that job, I got to know a lot of our uh, local uh, and and state officials. And you know, God's honest, I just I thought I could help, and so I signed up for city council and and uh, threw my hat in the ring and won. And and then I got on the inside of city hall and realized that our country, our city, our state—they need people like us that are innovative, mm-hmm. that are entrepreneurs, that are. Uh, business folks to, to help out. I'm not saying you need all business folks, but uh, you need a good mix. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the city gets revenues from taxes and uh, mm-hmm. water bills and mm-hmm. sewer bills. And in turn, they pay for services, uh, fire, police included, roads, infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, water and sewer. So it's a business. Man. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. And you're on the inside, you know, uh, where you can actually drive some serious change now. And I want to read a quote that I pulled. That you, these, these are your words okay. that I pulled from the Courier. So you're, what, coming into your second year as mayor, about right? I mean, uh, November uh, 20. So about a, about a year and a couple months. Yeah, yeah. coming into that. Okay, so Still this, a rookie. Is, this is a good quote here. And so I don't, don't freak out. I didn't oh. grab this from <laughs> – but it's a great quote, so I had to read it. So for the audience, this is, this is our mayor here. It says – it is my desire and commitment to make Conroe the best place to live, work, and raise a family. 
Uh, it's important to me that Conroe maintains our small town feel and quality of life. My best qualification is I am the person that solves problems, finds common ground, and who brings together a team of diverse individuals to implement the best solutions for the common good. In a nutshell, that's, that's kind good. of what you just said. I mean, that is, I'm going to have to put this up on my bulletin board if that's okay. But no, that that's refreshing. And I want to know, coming into that second year as we're going on, a two-year-old as mayor, I guess, what? how's that coming into it? To, to fruition, are you seeing some of those goals kind of develop and, and talk about that? Well, well Conroe just had uh, an amazing, you know, it was like the best canvas in the world mm -hmm. to become one of the most dynamic world-class cities as far as I'm concerned. And then you had a pile of, of some of the best paints over here, and it, it just it really needed a, uh, someone to come together and, and uh, paint the masterpiece. And, and you're in the path of growth of Houston, uh, the Woodlands, which is a very wonderful neighbor, mm -hmm. neighbor when it comes to uh, corporate retail and higher income jobs and, uh, you know, nicest master plan community in the country, but it's full. So it's Conroe's time to shine. Yeah. And this area, um, we've got two water sources. We've got a beautiful lake uh, that you can drink and you can play in, and you've got an uh, abundant source of, of groundwater. Uh, the fathers before me put together, they put a loop. They put in good infrastructure. They put in good sewer system, systems and water systems. So you've got a lot of land that's ready to go, and that's where business is going these days. People come in here to build their companies and bring jobs to our area that our kids are going to work at to, yeah. to, to you know make make better for their families. Uh, they they're ready to go. So you got to have land ready to go, infrastructure ready to go. Conroe's out in front of the curve, and and you know the general public um, a, lot, a lot of times they don't see it, but the ETJ of what this city will grow into once day through through uh, mud agreements and 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 spa agreements and and uh, the annexation laws have changed a little bit, but it's three hundred sixty some odd square miles. So mm -hmm. it, it's very similar. You know, I think when you and I are probably sitting gray-haired on the porch, uh, you know, uh, or, or six foot deep, it's a it's a city the size of Fort Worth or Austin. And so I think you're you're looking at in the future Houston Conroe Metroplex, and you know this is a city that should have places to where your kids can get educated, and they can find a job. And I want to be innovative, and I want to support the entrepreneurial community because once you have jobs, when you have good jobs and good businesses, and people like you operate. You'll have good schools because you're going to have good parents. And, I mean, that's, that's what – everything in our country, you know, you talk about the problems in our country right now, and, you know, people focus on uh, racism or, yeah. or alcoholism or drugs, and it's like, okay, th those are byproducts, but there's a breakdown of the family structure in our country right now. You know, yeah. uh, a child needs a mother and a father. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a woman can, can, can raise a child, but it takes a man to train a child, Absolutely. and it's, it's it, it, we were never put on this earth to do it one on one. And mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, it, it takes a woman and a man to, to, to raise a child. I'm not saying a woman can't do it on their own because a lot of them have to because we got a lot of deadbeat dads around here, and that's what you know. It's our time as fathers to step up, raise our kids, be the spiritual leader leaders of our home. Yeah. And once you have that foundation, everything takes care of itself. And that's what I've seen with Conroe. I mean, our churches, our civic organizations here. Our schools. I mean, this is old-fashioned America right here, <laughs> and I think Conroe is is really a beacon beacon of light on uh, to the rest of the world on on and the rest of America. And I tell people where Conroe goes socially and politically is where Texas is going to go, and where Texas goes is where America's going to go. Mm. And the world's always followed America, or at least since you and I've been on this earth. So, and that's our job. You know, God blessed us to get out there and be leaders. So, uh, but it, it's just you know sometimes you're in the right place at the right time and. And I think everything happens for a reason, and, and I think God taught me some things in my youth 
uh, through um, you know tougher times, I learned a lot more than the good times. Yeah. But I feel like I was trained in business to help our city, and that's what I'm trying to I do. Mean, I mean, we could talk for hours about some of that stuff you just mentioned, and I'm I'm all on board with that vision, and and it's awesome because you know a lot of leaders, and I'll even be specific when it comes to community leaders and and people in politics and things like that you know they have similar visions to what you just verbalized but it's hard for them sometimes to to maybe wrap their arms around that concept and it sounds like to me you're looking at it from organically here in Conroe I love what you said about the canvas and the paint and we have a perfect setting here to really from organic state to just turn this into something that like you said drives the direction ultimately of the country and a lot of leaders don't always get that moving. Like, it's good to say, but I see you doing it. Like, I see you out at the high school football practices. I see you doing things, getting your you know, your hands dirty in the community. And I, I, I think that's refreshing to see because not only is it words that you're saying, but you're out beating the pavement and, and you know, shaking hands and, and really investing in people too. So let's talk about people for a second. You've built teams. You've had successful businesses. I like to hit on the word culture. Like I like to just get in deep to that word. Sure. What has made your team culture in wherever you've been? Let's just say it. You're you know in real estate or in city uh, politics and different things. Like so, what is you, what are you looking for? What are you building whenever you're out creating that culture? You know, I grew up in Marlin, Texas, and it's a very poor community right now that had a lot going for it in the early 1900s. Had a uh, had mineral water, a booming business, a lot of commerce. Mm-hmm. I mean, Main Street looked like Las Vegas, Nevada. And I really think you had maybe poor leadership that controlled uh, the, the, the growth and controlled when people like you and me and entrepreneurs that came to the area, mm-hmm. they, they didn't want them. What, what do innovators and entrepreneurs and capitalists do they're going to go somewhere else they're, they're going to go make an asset to, to somebody right. else's community so you have to really find what you have at, at, at home and use it and, and build those people up prop those people up uh, I, I didn't come from any wealth and, and uh, so I had to learn to be real nice to people at a young age and uh, I think it helped you know being on the professional uh, rodeo circuit at, at 18 years old you're out traveling the country with, with mm-hmm. grown men and it's mm-hmm. dangerous living out there so I think I you know it helped me grow up and then uh, just being able to, to, to take a risk and, and leave it in the Lord's hands. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. every day this business, you know, there's people that necessarily, uh, they, don't, they don't work for the greater good every day, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, I have to have a strong relationship with the Lord to, to just keep moving forward. And, and when you have a plan and you get shot at it occasionally, you just got to stay focused. But, um, you know, the companies I built, I started with nothing. And so I had to learn to work with what I had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, uh, I'll take a talent level of a two uh, over a ten either any day. If if that two talent level two shows up to work every day mm-hmm. and you know what you're getting and they're going to do what they say they're going to do and that, that's all that matters. I mean, when you're hiring people, working with people, if they'll do what they say they're going to do, we can fix any problem. We can get help. I mean, if if you have an, an issue uh, and you need some help from a certain skill set. I got a thousand people on this phone right. and love to help us out that I've helped. Right. But I just need to know what you need help with. Right. But some people have egos that they won't let you help them. And, and it's it's hard for me to work with uh, uh, people like that. That's good, man. And and it sounds like to me you, you know how to identify people sort of like values, like principles, like-minded. And it sounds like you're a example for a lot of people, too. Like you're trying to be what you just said to others because downstream there's generational impact. 
who was that for you? If we can talk about maybe some mentors in your life coming up, like you mentioned the rodeo circuit. Obviously, you might have learned what to do, what not to do from some of those guys. You you came up. Was there anybody that maybe a couple of people that stood out to you that you really said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot from them and use that." You know, I, I tell kids all the time. Uh, my father and I, we had a, a difficult relationship kind of growing up, um, and and I tell people, you know, out of ten traits you want to be like as a man, as a father, as a Christian leader, I got five from him, mm-hmm. but I got the other five from from John or Bill or Dick or Sue. So. You know, milk people. I mean, you know, be a sponge. You know, pull something out of them, and, and, and God will put those people in front of you. And, and, mm. and a lot of people want to help if you ask for help. But overall, you know, my dad was a, a, a hardworking, um, you know, he was a college, first college-educated Polish immigrant mm. uh, football coach, went into pipe fitting because he wanted to make a little more money and then started his own construction company. So I saw this man work from bell to bell and uh, come from nothing and, and create a lot of resources but he would give you the shirt off his back. And he, he uh, you know, a man of a few words. So there was just good leadership there, good work ethic. I picked that up from him. Uh, my brother uh, got laid off when we were, I was in my teens and, and from a power plant. And what did he do? You know, he went to school, college. He went to medical school. Went to, uh, he's a chiropractor. Went to chiropractic college. And so that was the first one in my family. We were all a bunch of pipe fitters, I mean, and, and uh, outlaws. And uh, so, so I saw that, okay, you know what? You can go be a doctor. So that was a level that took to the next. Wow. You know, I think being on the circuit and then being at Sam Houston, uh, I'm, I'm a Delta, Delta, Delta fraternity. Uh, I saw, uh, I met a lot of kids from the city that, that grew up in different cultures and yeah. communities. So it really opened my eyes. And uh, they, they, uh, they, they grew up in different environments and, and maybe a, a, a little higher class society. So building those relationships that I got in college. And I'll tell you, I always, uh, I say this, and, and uh, my good friend is, is, uh, uh, Marcus Luttrell and his brothers Morgan Luttrell is running for Congress who's going to make an excellent, excellent congressman and right. probably excellent president one day okay. but uh, Marcus man I mean he was given a situation where he basically almost got killed and uh, you know he turned around and, and wrote a book and built a foundation mm-hmm. and uh, is, is helping kids and helping veterans all over his country over something that happened that was necessarily negative at the time and so I've had these dif- different inspirations in my life that's like okay you know what? If he can do that and do the greater good and work with the president, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can keep moving. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you have I to like you have to surround yourself with people that help you build your confidence. Because we um, in '08, I went bust. I had a big company, uh, the market crashed, and mm, I got yeah. turned into a man real quick. Mm. And you know, for two years, it, that was my time in the desert. That's when I found myself and, and uh, uh, my relationship with the Lord and my family and my wife uh, got much stronger. But it took a couple of years to get my confidence back to where I actually could go out there and get it. And that's what I see with people. You know, that you got to have yeah. your mojo. And right. uh, it's a lot easier to have your mojo when you've got a, a good relationship with the wife at home and uh, that's right. you got a good relationship with those kids. That's right. No. Perfect. That's my opinion. No, that's perfect. No, that's good. I, You know, I've heard, heard somebody say, I, I think it was, I know it was because uh, uh, I just talked to him last week, but the baseball coach at Sam Houston that just went to Louisiana a couple years ago, Matt Degg, says, you will either be a humble person or you will get humbled. Yeah. And so it's it's a lesson in humility that I yeah. try to teach my kids and try to live every day too. And it sounds like you're right in line with that. Um, so humble, as we try, humble pie, as they call it. Humble pie, it. man. I, I mean, I've eaten a bunch of. Them. I've got two forks at a time in that pie. Like I've had to eat it force uh-huh. fed. Uh, before we kind of put a bow on this, I want I got a couple more for you. You got you got a couple minutes. Sure, go ahead. All right, man. Uh, so you're you've talked about so much about this 
city and it got me even more excited than I already am watching it grow and you're passionate about what its potential is. What do you love most about Conroe other than just what you see as a growth opportunity and just kind of organically what we've got from bare bones to build on what do you love most about just the people the culture just just the whole personality of Conroe Texas you know Conroe is is uh very diverse uh it reminded reminds me of my hometown where I grew up I mean we had a main street we had a square we had a courthouse we had a you know a real mayor I mean this is a real community a lot of time Conroe gets compared to you know, the Woodlands, for example, sure. beautiful master plan community. But, I mean, this is a real town that was founded on a, 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 a rail spur and yeah. then a, a timber boom and then had a, you know, basically a prophet uh, uh, visionary George Strake that hit the, you know, third largest oil reservoir in the United States right here under the ground. So in the 30s, you had more millionaires in Conroe than anywhere in the country. So there, there was a lot of old wealth. Uh, mm-hmm. With that, during the Depression, became there's a lot of cool old architects that came around here and started working, and craftsmen and, and artisans uh, working on a lot of these older homes. So you're starting to see, you know, it has what I saw, go after in any business we're going to buy, turn around, build is, is what's your low hanging fruit? And I saw with Conroe immediately downtown. And look mm-hmm. at downtown right now. In the last mm-hmm. two years, it is on fire. And it's got these kids these days, a lot of the, the millennials were saying, they don't want Starbucks, you know. They they want Vernell's coffee, you know. They they uh, right. they don't want Budweiser. That's they right. they want uh, uh, Foss Brewery or, or Southern Star or Copperhead. Right. You know? So they like the history and the culture. And these kids are, are wanting to learn, and they're all starving for love and respect. I mean, that's all any of us want. But the downtown area is real cool. You got a lot of old homes. We just moved six blocks north of here and, and bought a cool old mm. uh, mid-century modern home from the. 1950s but then you jump out to the lake you got the retail district out there you know the whole northern third of the lake is all national force and i mean some of the most beautiful pristine property in the country as far as i'm concerned and oh by the way right across the airport of it on the the other uh you know northeastern border uh you've got an airport that that can now handle any jet with the customs agency that hobby can handle so Mm. you know you think of the quality of life uh the woodlands is kind of your central business district and then what i've seen uh, methodist hospital in conroe and 242 yep. where yep. conroe really starts mm-hmm. up to hca uh, you've got the new sam houston uh, medical school yep. sam houston's building a nursing port program university of st thomas that we were involved with recruiting built a nursing program last year yep. they built a new co- uh, campus in, in downtown conroe looking to expand yep. now uh, lone star has a wonderful uh, capacity out at the park so i mean you've got higher learning uh, what I've seen with Conroe, the only thing we were missing before, you've got a lot of good service jobs, retail jobs, restaurant jobs. You've got a lot of good mid-level uh, manufacturing and mm-hmm. medical jobs. Mm-hmm. But we were missing some of those top-tier jobs to where your average employee were you know, $150,000 to, to $200,000 a year employees. And what's happening now with Camp Strike and Wood Forest's development, the city of Conroe has partnered, and we're building a Hyatt Regency Hotel, which is going to be world-class, wow. one of the nicest hotels in the Houston area. And, and in what you'll see, once you get that hotel built in Camp Strake, which has already started under construction, you've got about 300 acres of Class A development ready to go. So, you know, when Anadarko came to the Woodlands, for example, or, or CB&I, mm-hmm. they came because of that convention, convention center and the quality of life. Yeah. Right now, we're going to have that. So I think these top-tier jobs in the next five years – Companies right now, for example, from California, they're they're coming. I mean, part of it is regulatory, mm-hmm. part of it's politics, part of it is, uh, uh, you know, it's just yeah. We we can get in that. That could be a whole conversation. Sure. But the point is, 
when they come here now, uh, 10 years ago, I couldn't compete with my friend Gordy Bunch over there in the woodlands. Right now, I can go toe-to-toe with him. Absolutely. I got dirt. It's, uh, it's available. Uh, it's very reasonable. And uh, it's Conroe's time to shine. I'm telling you. And, and all of this, you speak of downtown and its development over two years of a, of a pandemic and a quarantine and still progress. So I think it helped us. I oh, mean, it I mean, was, yeah. people, people were coming out here. You know, our, our county judge had it you know, represented that we're going to keep businesses open. And, uh, hey, you if you if you want to stay at home, please do. But sure. if you want to get out and go to work, that's right. go eat. That's right. Go eat. That's right, man. Uh, no, I'm good. I got one more for you. And, and I know you're a busy man. You got a busy weekend. Um, but, man, if we're going to talk about, you know, fast-forwarding, what – what are you going to look back on in five years? You mentioned this five-year plan and this how much potential is out there. What are you going to look back on? Let's say if you're not mayor, maybe you're governor. I don't know at that point. I don't know what you'll be. But what are you going to look back on as your time and this time as mayor and be most proud of, you think? Man, I, I'm, I'm proud of my, my next deal. I mean, and, and my family. I married way up. Uh, I, I was blessed. Uh, God uh, gave me a wonderful woman. And uh, I got three wonderful kids, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's my focus right now. Uh, this, uh, fortunately, my company, uh, MHW, as you said, MHWRE.com, little plug. We we syndicate and invest in commercial real estate projects, and you know I've got about 150 partners that are all uh, accredited, uh, you know, wealthy uh, guys and gals, and, mm-hmm. and and people like that. When you look them in the eyes and you create returns and you do what you say you're going to do. They tell all their friends, and they make their job very easy. And 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 if you don't, they uh, you're usually talking to an attorney. So it's it's a good training for uh, government in general. Uh, one little project we're working on right now that uh, I'm excited about is uh, we're putting together an application to to try to get a major track of land up in the national forest mm-hmm. uh, for a park. Conroe, the only little park we have is that little county park on 105, and mm-hmm. it's. It's uh, um, it's just packed on the weekends. We need more. We're a community built around a national forest, mm-hmm. 160,000 acres, and a you know 26,000 acre lake. We ought to have a couple hundred acres on the, on the water. So that's something we've been working with the yeah. federal government, with the uh, crews and, and Brady's office to see if yeah. they would you know do a long term lease to help us out. But uh, who, who knows? I'm not good at everything. But what I've seen in Conroe, you got a lot of kids here that they don't they necessarily might not have some of the opportunities that. You and I have. You yeah. know, this is not all uh, yeah. blonde hair and blue-eyed world, and sure. this is not all six-figure income, folks. Let's build them up. Let's That's create right. educational opportunities for them. Let's create jobs, and, and I'm gonna lead that horse to water. That horse still has to drink, and and not all horses do That's drink. Good. But what I've seen, 90% of the kids, you show them a, a way, and you build that confidence through education yeah. uh, and relationships, and and they want to go to work every day. They want to feel yeah. good about themselves. That's right. Well, hey, I want to thank you for being with us today, man. It's been awesome to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit, like I said, and kind of see where you, you know, foundationally stand, where you came from, kind of what you're about, what you see, what your vision is, man. I appreciate your time today. Audience, this has been a blessing for me. I know it has for you. Uh, Until next time on the Bridge Podcast, stay connected. Man, I hope that was good for you as it was uh, for us here. That was a privilege uh, having those guys with us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to see Jody's journey and see kind of 
the bull riding experiences and how he kind of evolved into business and, uh, you know, just the way that he kind of always had that DNA of entrepreneurship and, and now how that's evolved into just this huge vision and excitement and passion for the direction of Conroe and where it's going to go and the potential we have. And it was good. To, it was good to hear from him. It was good to kind of, like I say, I say this all the time, but it's worth saying like peek behind that curtain that sometimes we don't always get to see. Um, it was, it was fun. And I got to know things. I know him a little bit, but I got to know some more stuff. And I hope you guys know some more about Conroe because I, I, I didn't know some of the, what he was sharing and, and some of the plans that are out there. And it, it kind of stands to reason when you look around and you see uh, just some opportunity that's out there and you see the work being done everywhere you go, right? And traffic is, is getting to be what it is be, for a good reason and, and for a reason because there's opportunity here and there's growth here. And so that's, that's exciting and encouraging. Can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, we talked to Frank, uh, of course, about his music career, his music business and production and things that, ways he came up through the ranks and just ways that he kind of held on to that passion and had that dream for just growing uh, the music sound here in the state of Texas and locally. And then, you know, what he plans to do going forward with Maidley, the table at Maidley. Uh, it's exciting. Like, I can't wait to see what that development looks like in a year from now. You know, it's going to only grow. It's going to only expand. Uh, Frank's going to bring music guests. I can't wait to see who's on the lineup for that. Um, he's he's going to get the passion and energy going for this outdoor you know food truck community that that we're just kind of hungry for um and so I, I i'm excited to see where that goes and and who he brings to town um, but it was nice to hear from you know a hometown guy who brings it back full circle and he always remembered his roots and he wants to kind of build around that and he wants to keep expanding and, and growing and, and leaving that footprint here in the community uh, here in Conroe. So it was great to have those guys. Uh, if you guys want to catch any more uh, of these episodes or, or find out any more, uh, you know, go to, go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TBPTX for the Bridge Podcast Texas. And uh, it's been great. It's been great doing this first one and I can't wait to, to see what happens next. So see you again.